0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 101 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today, I kick off our Divisional Breakdown Series for 2019 Fantasy Football, diving into the NFC South and the AFC South. Quick announcement before we get going today. We have officially opened submissions for our 2019 TCK Pod Listener League and are accepting listeners in our 12-team Full PPR league. If you're interested in joining us, please email tckpod at gmail.com and shoot us a DM on Instagram at football underscore tckpod and drop the hashtag tckpodll. That's tckpodll with one thing you appreciate about the podcast and one thing I can work on moving forward. That will enter you in for a chance to be included into our 2019 tckpod listener league. And chosen participants will be announced over the next few weeks leading up to draft season the draft won't be until late August so we have plenty of time but enough business let's talk some football we've got a lot to cover so let's get into it all right first we're talking about the NFC South Division that's the New Orleans Saints the Atlanta Falcons Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers just breaking down each team, breaking down the fantasy relevant players, where they sit in the drafts, maybe some sleepers bust, overvalued, valued players. You know how we do. Let's start with the Saints, one of the most potent offenses in the entire NFL. Start at the top, Drew Brees going in the seventh round. Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. In fantasy, he's starting to fade a little bit, but that has nothing to do with him and his talent. Really, at this point, it's more about The Saints focusing more and more on the run with Alvin Kamara and now Latavius Murray, who we'll get to in just one second. Previously with Mark Ingram, of course, who's now in Baltimore. I love Drew Brees. If I don't get one of the top five guys, I like Drew Brees and maybe that seventh, eighth round. If you're in a two QB league, I think he's a great second quarterback if you go high. Say you go Mahomes, Rogers, Luck, uh, Watson, somebody like that. Brees is a great later guy you might be able to get in maybe the 8th, ninth, 10th round in some leagues. And if he's your second guy, he's got one of the most steady floors in the entire NFL. He does have upside boom games. Not the best for one QB leagues these days, just because his high upside games are a little bit behind him with the way that the Saints run things. But in two QB leagues, he's a great second quarterback. And in uh, single QB leagues, if you happen to pass on the big first grip, I think that Drew Brees would be a, a wonderful option in those middle to late rounds with a steady floor and some upside, of course. Dropping down to the running backs, Alvin Kamara, absolute machine, going as you know the third running back in, in a lot of drafts, third, fourth running back with Zeke and uh, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley going ahead of him in some. I've seen some people that have him in number one. Can't go wrong with the big four or five this year. Alvin Kamara, definitely one of those. He gets the red zone carries. He gets the goal line carries. He gets red zone receptions. He catches touchdowns. He can run them in from 70 yards out. He can bowl his way for a first down. He can play all three downs, obviously. Um, He's a huge dual threat in the passing game and uh, in the run game. Very, very slippery. um, Kind of old-school Shady uh, McCoy-esque. Very rarely takes a big hit. Slides out of bounds. Um, Alvin Kamara is one of my favorite players in the entire league uh, to root for just as a fan, but also in fantasy football. Can't go wrong with Alvin Kamara absolute stud. His new partner now, Latavius Murray, comes over from Minnesota, and he did really well uh, the last year filling in for Dalvin Cook when he went down, and Latavius Murray is going to fill in that quote-unquote Mark Ingram role, but I don't think he's going to spell Alvin Kamara too much to make Alvin Kamara fall. uh, With Alvin Kamara's efficiency he'll be just fine I think Latavius Murray though does get some goal line work the Saints score a lot of points they're often in the red zone they're often on the goal line so I think Latavius Murray gets plenty of chances he's going in the seventh round right now middle of the seventh round I love him picking him up I think he's going to have enough standalone value that we saw Mark Ingram have for years and remember Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara were top uh you know top 10 running backs they've been um, both running backs won over the last couple of years uh, on a per game basis. Of course, uh, Mark Ingram was suspended last year for a few games, but when they're both on the field, they're both getting their numbers. And I think that the Saints are going to go more and more toward the run. Latavius Murray is a little bit faster, a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, and a little bit younger than Mark Ingram, and he can also catch the catch the ball in the backfield. Maybe not as good as Mark Ingram, but I think he'll be just fine there as well. So, in the chance Alvin Kamara comes off the field. Uh, Latavius Murray will spell him well so he's one of the best handcuffs in the league because if Kamara happens to actually go down I think Latavius Murray will get that number one lead back role and then he, he immediately is an RB1 every single week but I think he's also going to have standalone value. So I love Latavius Murray in the seventh round, no matter what. But if I get Alvin Kamara in the first round, I'm looking to maybe even reach in the sixth round in the seventh round, making sure that I get Latavius Murray just in case, because that running back for the Saints is too potent to not have the the handcuff there. Next up, Michael Thomas, another elite option in this offense. Um, Absolute machine last year. He is going as the ninth pick in the back of the first round. Sometimes he falls to the second round. I don't think he has as much upside, personally, as Devontae Adams, Nuke Hopkins, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, who has recently just been um, uh, reinstated by the NFL. Uh, it turns out he, was, he is not going to uh, be suspended for the NFL, at least for this child abuse um, allegation. So Tyreek Hill's up there in my top four, and Julio Jones as well. I just don't think Michael Thomas has the upside as those guys, but he definitely has a floor, maybe even more of a solid floor um, than some of those guys, just with what he's able to do as a PPR monster with his numbers growing each of the, the three seasons. He has the most receptions in the NFL over the last three seasons. And I think he'll be just fine. So no problem taking Michael Thomas in the first round. And if you're able to get an elite running back in the uh, back of the first round and Michael Thomas maybe in the front of the uh, second round, I think you're absolutely golden there and and pretty stoked. So love Michael Thomas, absolutely. A couple deeper names on the Saints. Traquan Smith, keep an eye on him, the wide receiver two there. He's going as the last pick in the 13th round. And don't forget about Ted Ginn, still on the team, had some injuries last year. But when he's on the field, he has high efficiency. He can still catch those deep bombs. He's kind of a Deshaun Jackson light uh, these days. But he's he's not dead. He's still on the team. Still a very good option. I think Traquan Smith overtakes him eventually. But I do like Ted Ginn in, in deeper leagues there. And, of course, Jared Cook at the tight end position going in the seventh round. I like him a lot if I don't get one of the top six guys. He is actually my next option as well. So in the seventh round, I like him. Uh, quite a bit. If I've if I've bolstered up on three running backs, three receivers, I feel really good about getting Jared Cook, and then maybe somebody super late um, as a tight end backup if I need to. But you're probably streaming at that point anyway. So Jared Cook, I think, has a ton of upside and um, should be just fine in this offense with the Saints. Let's move on to the Falcons. The Falcons. Had kind of a down year last year. Of course, they got absolutely decimated with injuries on both sides of the ball. Their their offensive line, defensive line, their linebacker core, their running backs, everything. So that led Matt Ryan to torching the stat sheet. Julio Jones had another career year. Uh, Calvin Ridley stepped onto the scene big time. I think the Falcons will be... Just as potent this year, they get Dirk Cutter back coming in from Tampa Bay. He was also with the Falcons in 2012 to 2014. He returns as the offensive coordinator. So Matt Ryan going in the seventh round just around Drew Brees. Again, same thing I just said about Drew Brees. If you miss on one of those bigger guys, I like Matt Ryan even better than Drew Brees, actually, because I think he's got more upside with the uh, the numbers and a pass-heavy offense. We saw what Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick were able to do in Tampa Bay with Dirk Cutter last year. I think Matt Ryan's going to be able to do just the same. I don't think his numbers will be just as high because the Falcons will get back to the running game. However, I do think that uh, he will be just fine, and I think he'll actually, potentially, he's going as a sixth quarterback right now, so it's going to be hard for him to outweigh his adp potentially but he did finish in the top three in in many formats last year so i like matt ryan a lot can't go wrong with him very very steady floor very reliable has the uh the big boom games of course so i like matt ryan a lot there next up are the running backs and we have devonta freeman coming back uh two seasons just destroyed by two injuries um two thousand uh 17 and 18, but in 2015, he was the number one running back overall in fantasy football ahead of Adrian Peterson back in the day. He's going in the third round right now. I personally am fading uh, Devonta Freeman. I'm worried about these injuries a lot. It's not just the knees. He's also got a lot of concussions. He's maybe one concussion away or one knee injury or an ankle away from being out of the NFL completely. I'm worried about it. I understand the upside. I know the work share. I know that the Falcons are going to be um, – a high potent offense in general, but Dirt Cutter is generally not a running back focused uh, play caller. Um, we saw the, you know, kind of devastation in Tampa Bay last year. Of course, Peyton Barber's not very good and Ronald Jones never really got going, but nonetheless, the guys got the work, but they weren't really able to do things. So I think Freeman will have a better year than both of the Tampa Bay running backs last year if he stays healthy. But I don't know that, He's going to be who he has been for us in fantasy football after all of these injuries. But in the third round, middle back of the third round, if you've already got a stud running back and a stud receiver, you know, and, and the, depending on how you draft, if the rest of the high upside guys go, Devonta Freeman is a nice dual threat running back out of the uh, backfield. Ito Smith is just kind of a guy, I think. I, I, I don't see him overtaking Devonta Freeman at, by any means. Tevin Coleman, who's now in San Francisco, of course. Would spell Freeman more frequently in the last couple of years, but I don't see Edo Smith really doing that unless Freeman gets hurt again, which could certainly happen with all of his injuries piling up. But I do like Freeman. I'm personally probably not going to be drafting him because I just like other options in the third round. But if you see Freeman floating around there in a high potent offense, you believe in that um, in uh, his health coming into the season, I think you could do worse in the middle to the back of the third round. Julio Jones. One of my favorite players in the NFL, probably my favorite receiver, just pound for pound in the NFL. But for fantasy, he's going in the back of the first round. If you end up with like Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, or Julio Jones, Juju, uh, Odell Beckham, maybe, and you want to go, you know, either zero RB or just wide receiver heavy, depending on how drafts go, I would be thrilled to land julio jones and one of the other names i just mentioned to start my draft and then scoop a running back in the third fourth and fifth round i would be pumped on that so julio jones don't need to say much he's an absolute beast uh led the league in in receiving yards last year 1600 plus and if he can get to double digit touchdowns he'll be the number one receiver by far calvin Ridley stepped on the scene last year as a rookie came in with 10 touchdowns actually passing julio jones's eight touchdowns calvin Ridley going in the back of the fourth round I think it's good value, but it depends on your roster. I don't want Calvin Ridley. I definitely don't want him as my wide receiver one, Um, but I'm not sure that I want him as my strong wide receiver two either. Uh, I would love him to be my wide receiver three, or if you're in maybe a deeper flex and he becomes like your third, fourth option as a receiver, stoked. I definitely don't want him as my number one. And number two, I'm a little bit worried about that. If you get him as your number two, make sure that you're bolstering the rest of your lineup so that he can be um, not your main focus week in and week out. I think he's going to be great, but his efficiency last year was tough. He actually led the league in drops. I think that's just maybe rookie woes. He'll he'll get over that, I'm sure. But he had 10 touchdowns last year as a rookie. If those fall to, say, six or five, uh, kind of back to, to earth, eh, average receiver in the NFL, um, he could drop significantly. So I don't dislike Calvin Ridley. But if you're going to get him, make sure he's your your maybe third or your second wide receiver, but make sure you draft accordingly otherwise. Mohamed Sanu is just a name to keep throwing out there, but unless you're in a super deep league, I wouldn't be drafting Mohamed Sanu. But for many, many years, he always slides under the rug. One of those guys get hurt. Muhammad Sanu is going to be a great waiver wire pickup. So if you have one of these guys in a real deep bench, maybe seven, eight, nine uh, bench spots, Mohamed Sanu would not be a terrible name to draft He's going undrafted, so draft him way late and uh, throw him on the end of your bench just in case you get one of the injuries from the other guys. At the tight end position, Austin Hooper, who has shown some athleticism, shown some big plays, of course, um, a little bit of consistency. I'm not crazy about him. However, I do want to keep him on my radar. He's going in the 10th round, which I like a lot if, you again, you miss out on those those tight ends. Um, Tight end is not a position to wait on purpose, per se unless you plan on streaming and there's a strategy to streaming, which we'll have in another episode, but just like Jared cook, just like some of these other guys I'm going to get into uh, throughout these episodes, Hooper is, he's going to be an okay tight end one. If he's your only tight end, you're not stoked. You're going to have a three or four, you know, 15 point games, but you're also going to have, you know, eight to 10, you know, six point games. And I don't want that out of my tight end. Uh, He doesn't catch a ton of touchdowns, but he is a big body. The good news is they have come out and given him, uh, Dan Quinn, head coach, has come out and said that Austin Hooper is, is growing, he's maturing in the system, he's getting a lot better, so that's always a good sign to have coaches speak, but we're in the season of coaches speak, so be careful on how you deal with that. Uh, I do like Austin Hooper, but he's not my first choice in that kind of third, fourth tier of tight ends, but you could do worse in the 10th round. Let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Winston going as a 13th quarterback off the board. He's going in the 10th round as well. Jameis could, I think, easily be a top mm, eight, six quarterback if he absolutely explodes. He could also be <laughs> outside of the top 15, probably, uh, depending on how things go in Tampa Bay this year. He does not have Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, breathing down his neck anymore. FitzMagic is now in Miami. So I think Jameis is going to get all the work he can get. He gets new head coach Bruce Arians coming in, who took a year off last year to go in the booth. Before that, he was in Arizona and Pittsburgh doing great things with Ben Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer. I think Jameis will be just fine as long as he can mature. I'm not worried about the talent. I'm worried about the maturity for Jameis Winston, and unfortunately, I'm not super confident that he can keep his head out of his ass and stay on the field and be smart. But I think Bruce Arians is old school enough to whip him into shape. So let's just hope that's the case. Next up, Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones at the running back position. Peyton Barber, again, just a guy I mentioned him earlier, not stoked on him. I won't be drafting him, even if he's the number one going in. I don't want anything to do with uh, Peyton Barber personally. I know he got the numbers. I know he got the work last year. Ronald Jones, I think, is going to surpass him sooner or later. Ronald Jones is actually going ahead of Peyton Barber in drafts now. He's going in the eighth round. Peyton Barber's going in the 11th round. So maybe you could argue that there's a bargain for Peyton Barber if he's uh, the starter going into the season. The problem is he's just not going to be moving forward. If Ronald Jones, who put on some weight, he bulked up, seems to be maturing, seems to actually figure shit out and realize that this is not USC where he can just be better than everybody. This is the NFL where he's not better than everybody and he needs to earn his stripes. I think he kind of sobered up a lot last year that a lot of uh, young rookie running backs like Rashad Penny, who we'll get to, uh, did as well last year. So Ronald Jones to me is... I don't know if he's a sleeper because everybody knows about him. I think he's definitely a breakout candidate this year when he gets the work and we saw what David Johnson was able to do under Bruce Arians in Arizona. Now, of course, I'm not comparing either one of these guys to David Johnson. I'm just saying the workload could be there, the dual threat could be there. The issue right away with Ronald Jones is he's not really known for catching passes. Now, I'm not saying that he can't catch a pass. It blows my mind that guys like uh Jordan Howard for for example over the years is just a non pass catching running back. Derrick Henry, these guys who they're just like they don't catch pa- catch passes. I'm sorry. These are some of the best athletes in the entire world and that most of them have been playing football since they were 6 years old and you're telling me they can't catch a fucking football that's thrown 10 yards from them. That shit blows my mind. Anyway, it's not a high skill set for Ronald Jones. I am a little bit worried about that. Peyton Barber is there, so I'm, I'm kind of fading on both these guys. I probably won't draft either one of them too much, but if you're going to draft one or the other, I say go Ronald Jones and wait it out. Also, another deep name, definitely in rookie drafts and definitely in Dynasty Leagues, Bruce Anderson. He's a rookie out of North Dakota State. He is third, fourth on the depth chart, actually, I think. Um, he's not going to be relevant outside of an injury or two. However, I think he's uber talented. I think he's more talented already than Peyton Barber. And if one of those top two guys go down, I think Bruce Anderson can get some serious work uh, potentially bringing in. And there's always something to be said from a new coaching regime when they go into the uh, NFL draft and they draft their guys, quote-unquote, Bruce Arians' guy now for his uh, first stint in in Tampa Bay would be Bruce Bruce Anderson. So – Keep an eye on him. It's a super deep name. You're not drafting him in a redraft leagues by any means, but just uh, a name to consider and follow on the waiver wire if you happen to get Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones. Now let's talk about the wide receivers. Mike Evans, annual stalwart at the wide receiver position for the Bucs. He's going in the middle of the second round. Love Mike Evans. Uh, huge year last year with Fitz Magic, over 1,500 yards. Um, If you can get back up to double digit touchdowns, he's going to be potentially, you know, a top five receiver, potentially even top three. Love, love, love Mike Evans in this offense and Chris Godwin as well going as the first pick in the fifth round. Chris Godwin's a beast. We've already heard all the talk about how Bruce Arians thinks he can catch a hundred balls and do all these kind of things. I personally think that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have the ability to both be wide receiver ones much like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley do as well if the cards fall. I think that I think that Evans and Godwin have a better chance to do that um, than Julio and uh, and Ridley. I just see more upside for Godwin and, and Evans with the overall offense and, um, frankly, a terrible defense in Tampa Bay, so they should be chucking it, whereas the Falcons are getting healthy from their defense next year or last year, and I think they're going to be running the ball a little bit more um, but nonetheless, I think that uh, uh, the wide receivers, you can't go wrong in Tampa Bay. In the fifth round, I think Godwin's great. If he creeps into that fourth round, I'd pump the brakes a little bit, but he and Ridley are going back-to-back in drafts. So if you're in that late fourth, early fifth round, and you don't have a pick for another you know, 10, 15 picks, and you want to take one of those guys, I'm all about it. Obviously, Julio and Mike Evans are my dogs. I like them a lot. Let's talk about the tight end, O.J. Howard. Been riddled with injuries a little bit the first couple years of his career, but he is uber, uber efficient when he's on the field. He's extremely athletic. He's arguably one of the most – maybe the most athletic tight end in the NFL. Um, Cameron Braid is kind of an afterthought at this point for for the Tampa Bay Bucs. He will stay relevant because Jameis Winston knows him and trusts him, and he'll be just fine. But I think O.J. Howard overall gets the numbers and gets the work – to warrant a fifth round draft pick. So if you don't, you know, whoever your number three for are, uh, Kittle Ertz, Kelsey, um, and then kind of the next three consensus are OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, and Hunter Henry. I like any of those six. And then I mentioned earlier, Jared cook for the saints as well after that. So you wouldn't land any of those guys. I think you're totally fine. And I think OJ Howard is the dude out of that bunch who could potentially in this offense, in the high scoring, uh, ability for the Buccaneers. I think that he has the, uh, potential to, to crack that top three actually as well. So that wraps up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's get into the Carolina Panthers final team of this division at quarterback cam Newton going as the 11th quarterback off the board right now, uh, middle of the ninth round cam is really tricky for me. I started the off season, um, hating on him pretty hard. And uh, all, you know, I say this every time I bring this shit up. My hate doesn't come from hating the player ever. It becomes hating the situation. And Cam Newton blew his arm off last year. Um, He had concussions. He had multiple other injuries that weren't really talked about, but they were obvious when you watched him on the field. Um, He unfortunately lost a few people some playoff weeks, including myself, when I picked up DJ Moore and I needed like seven yards and three catches, and I didn't even get that um because cam newton was just absolute garbage and you know to his credit he was playing through a bunch of injuries and i appreciate the tenacity and the gamesmanship to be a competitor but at some point you're hurting your team and um that bothers me i've mentioned multiple times on the podcast that i think that the panthers are very very dumb when it comes to cam newton uh him being the franchise and how they keep him out there with all of his injuries but i don't make decisions that's a that's on them but cam newton to me is I mean, he's great when he's on the field and he's healthy. He's incredible. He's a top five quarterback. When he went down last year, I don't hate Cam Newton. The situation is terrible. He had a he had an offseason shoulder uh, shoulder surgery. I'm he's throwing the ball already ish, which is nice. I'm worried that this might be a uh, Andrew Luck situation. Now, of course, we're talking middle late July here, so we still have a whole another month until the season. But I'm a little concerned. We'll see how training camp goes. I'm a little concerned about Cam in general. He's changed up his throwing motion, which is supposed to help him. What we'll see about that. Biggest thing about fantasy is that I'm worried that he's going to really, really diminish his rushing potential here. Cam Newton Is not a great quarterback, in my opinion, just straight up dropping back and throwing the football. I mean, you know, he's got a fucking rocket and he can throw the ball, you know, 60 yards downfield on a dime occasionally, and he can make plays and scramble. We all know that. But where he gets his fantasy points for the most part is running the ball, getting five to 700 yards a year and scoring, you know, five, six, eight touchdowns on the ground. That's a huge boost, obviously, for your quarterback. So, if Cam Newton's not able to run, which I personally think he's going to be gun-shy, why wouldn't he be? You know, he's, he's gotten absolutely destroyed the last couple of years. Concussions, ribs, um, his shoulder, everything else. He takes one huge hit. We saw in the Super Bowl years ago against the Broncos where the game was on the line, he got a sack fumble and he stood there and kind of had a second guess of diving into the pile – potentially risking injury. Of course he denied it. We don't know what he was actually thinking, but it looked like he had the thought of like there's no fucking way I'm jumping in with all those defenders down to get that ball right now. And that bothers me. So I'm I'm fading Cam Newton personally. Now, in the 11th round, if you wait for a quarterback that long and you end up getting Cam Newton in the 11th round, the rest of your team is stacked with a uh, running backs and receivers and a top tight end, you're stoked because at that point you play cam newton when he's healthy when he's healthy i'm sure he'll be fine top 10 quarterback most weeks i'm sure and then if he gets hurt or he's out or he sucks because he's injured you're going to stream at that point anyway and there's plenty of streaming quarterbacks this year so don't hate cam i do hate the the situation in the ninth round though um tenth round right now that he's going um i would be able to take a stab on it but personally I'm probably not going to do that. I would just – I'd rather have, say, Jameis Winston going around later, for example, Uh, Phillip Rivers going around later. I'd rather have those guys over Cam. I know the upside. I know the rushing ability. I just think it's going to fade. Let's get into Cam. uh, Christian McCaffrey going as the third running back, also in in ADP tied up with uh, Alvin Kamara, now – at pretty much everything I said about Kamara I can say about Christian McCaffrey, except for Christian McCaffrey has no buddy in the backfield taking away his touches. Uh, we've all seen his Instagram picture. The dude's a fucking Hulk. He's a super, super huge uh, little guy. Um, <laughs> he's a beast. I, I love him as a player. Uh, we saw him throw a touchdown late in the season last year. He's one of the best, maybe the best receiving running back in the NFL. Of course, his dad. Um, Ed McCaffrey was one of the best receivers, uh, in, in the, uh, the eighties and nineties. So love, love them. Um, I have nothing negative to say about Christian McCaffrey. My only concern is that the Panthers offense overall runs through Cam Newton. And if Cam's hurt, I'm a little bit worried about, uh, Christian McCaffrey. So he's actually my fourth running back. Kamara's ahead of him. And I've got, uh, Zeke and Saquon above them, but, uh, love Christian McCaffrey. And if you were to pick him number one overall in a full PPR league, no hate at all for me. Let's talk about the receivers quick. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. DJ Moore going in the fifth round right now, the back of the fifth round. Curtis Samuel going in the 10th. DJ Moore is uber talented. I think he was held back last year significantly once Cam Newton got hurt, but we saw splashes. And Curtis Samuel also is super talented. I think these are two of the most kind of um, sleeper, Uh, receivers in the league if cam is healthy and if this if this uh, offense can click um, that we saw it do a few years ago when they were four uh, 15 and one going to the super bowl but again i'm concerned about cam but i'll stop talking about that dj moore awesome athlete great breakaway speed uh, great movement in the open field he can make a play after uh, after the catch curtis samuel as well Going in the fifth round for DJ Moore, I'm probably going to fade that a little bit. There's other running backs uh, or receivers, excuse me. I would rather have with further upside and a better floor than DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel, though, in the tenth round, you're starting to you're starting to throw darts anyway for high upside. I think Curtis Samuel is a great um, middle to late round dart throw there for sure in the tenth round. Some other super deep names uh, just to consider in that uh, Panthers offense. Uh, Chris Hogan now is over there from uh, New England. We saw him catch a few deep touchdowns with Brady over the years. Uh, Aldrick Robinson, Torrey Smith, and Jarius Wright. Not really names you're drafting again, just to to mention some super deep names there for the uh, Panthers because they had a lot of movement at the wide receiver position in the offseason. To wrap this up, Greg Olson at the tight end position uh contemplated retirement the last two seasons came back last year played a few games broke his foot came back broke his foot came back (laughs) kept playing through it and again just like cam newton honorable i appreciate the tenacity to want to be a competitor respect but he's older now he's in his mid-30s Uh, which is not a death sentence for a tight end per se, but he's not a spring chicken. It's harder to recover from injuries the older you get. I'm worried about Greg Olson. He is going to be the day one starter, assuming he doesn't retire somehow over the season. He's going in the 13th round. If you're playing in a normal 16-round league and you don't have a tight end yet and you have Greg Olson in the 13th round, stoked. I mean, you know, again, why the hell not? You grab him, if Cam Newton's healthy and Greg Olson's healthy and you get them for the first six games, you're going to have a great tandem. One of those guys gets hurt. You stream anyway, and you, you know, you kind of throw it away. It's no big deal. I'm not going to target Greg Olson by any means. And I don't like it. If I, I just won't draft him uh, at all. I have all sorts of younger, you know, I'd rather have Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, um, you know, Jimmy Graham going that late. uh, Jordan Reed almost. I'd rather have things like that. So not going to get Greg Olson, but if you get him that late and he's your tight end one, you could, you could be worse. And, uh, Also to keep an eye on Ian Thomas, who is the backup tight end for the Panthers. He's another name, just in case Greg Olson does go down. Ian Thomas, still young, uh, did show some uh, flashes last year, so he could be okay too. So keep an eye on Ian Thomas. And that wraps up the NFC South. Before we get into the rest of the episode, let's take a break right here. If you like what you're hearing and you want to find us outside of the podcast, please like and follow us on Instagram at FantasyFootball underscore TCKPod, on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod, on Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast, and you can always drop us an email at tckpod at gmail.com. And, of course, please leave a rate and review on the podcast. It really helps us to get your feedback, and we really, really do appreciate your participation there. So before we get into the rest of the podcast and the AFC South Let's have a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Stay tuned. Hey, TC Potters. I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid Go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. All right, let's talk about the AFC South. Let's see Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans, and Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's talk about the Colts first. Andrew Luck, my number 1 quarterback overall heading into 2019 fantasy football. Yes, I know about Tyreek Hill. Yes, I know about Patrick Mahomes. I love them both. I think there's going to be serious regression for Mahomes and that offense in general. It's kind of a gut feeling. I like uh, Luck and the overall offense. I went over all of my rankings in previous episodes. Please feel free to go check those out on the podcast. You can also find all of my rankings on Instagram as well. Check everything out before you DM and before you throw a bunch of uh, negative, um, vitriol my way, please read through my reasonings. Uh, it, there's nothing worse than, uh, getting destroyed on DMS and people not having clearly not having read <laughs> my reasoning. So I explain that to them. And then they all of a sudden have an idea like, Oh, well, I don't agree with you, but good point. So please, if you're going to come at me, that's fine. That's why we do this. I'm happy to have discussions, but please at least check out my reasoning and check out my rankings before you come at me that way. But let's get into it. So the Colts, Andrew Luck going as the second quarterback off the board behind Mahomes for almost everybody else. It's going in the fifth round. Love that. Love that. You get two uh, two solid running backs, two solid receivers. And if you want to get a top upper echelon quarterback, depending on your scoring, It could make a huge difference. I know the cool thing in fantasy football now is to stream quarterbacks and to wait as long as possible. I get all that, and there's definitely merit to it depending on your league settings. However, for example, the league of record that we play in, not the uh, TCK Listener League, but the league of record that I've been playing for a decade with my guys, um, we do bonus scoring. Okay, So quarterbacks do matter, and one quarterback could really make a a huge difference. Uh, Curly, who's a co-host on the podcast – Uh, drafted Mahomes last year in the eighth round and we saw how that worked out all right I got Baker Mayfield as my last pick in the 17th round and he uh, ended up playing in my championship game and helped me win the championship so those single quarterbacks definitely matter Um, and of course in two quarterback leagues if you get Andrew Luck and you know somebody else late you're you're stoked so Andrew Luck enough said there Um, he's an absolute stud love him Marlon Mack, one of my favorite running backs this year, heading into the season, going in the middle of the third round. I like him a lot. It's going to be hard for him to—he's not a sleeper anymore—and it's definitely going to be hard for him to like further break out. But for a whole season, he could definitely do that. Um, but going in the third round, I think right now you're kind of drafting him at—you know—his—I don't want to say his floor, uh, but I think he's going to be pretty steady as a as a you know uh, RB two all season um but behind arguably the best offensive line right now in the NFL and the Colts a high powered offense a better defense who's not amazing but they're better than last year i think the Colts are going to run the ball and he doesn't catch too much out of the backfield which is definitely a slight to him so he's behind a few guys uh for me that do catch the ball but he is potentially going to be able to um really get some serious serious work uh as far as touches goes. And I do think he can catch the ball. He just didn't do much of it last year. Now, segue right into Naheem Hines. His backfield mate is extremely good at catching the ball. He's actually a converted wide receiver. Um, Naheem Hines is an excellent, excellent receiving running back. So I think he'll take more of that third down roll and more of the pass catching back. However, if he were to get hurt, I think that Marlon Mack would be just fine covering that up. And we've seen over the years um, Ahmad Bradshaw, Uh, for example, Trent Richardson for a second, um, you know, these other running backs that Andrew Luck has had, um, we've seen them do very well in a high powered offense, but also in a pass catching role as well. So I like the running backs a lot for the Colts and I will take Marlon Mack all day in the third round. And honestly, I'm probably going to be reaching for him in the back of the second. Naheem Hines there as well. And a name to just consider is Jordan Wilkins. He's not going to be playing if those two guys are healthy, but if one of those guys go down, you want a running back and a high-powered offense, so Jordan Wilkins would be a deep name to grab deep bench stash if you have that ability. T.Y. Hilton going as the third pick in the third round. Love him. Love his upside, of course. Uh, I think there's a lot – well, I don't think there is a lot more upside um, in that offense in general. There's a lot more mouths to feed. They bring over Funches from Carolina. They draft Parrish Campbell. They get back Jack Doyle. So it won't be just T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron this year. uh, But I do like T.Y. Hilton. We know that he's good for 1,000 yards. We know he's good for six to eight touchdowns. Half of those are going to be 70-plus yards. So if you're in bonus leagues, that definitely helps. He's actually surprisingly played most of his games over the last couple of years. He seems like a guy that gets hurt. because Well, he does. He he just plays through his injuries. So he doesn't actually miss time, which is great. So when he's on the field, luck's healthy. That offense is rolling. I like T.Y. Hilton a lot. Devin Funchess, I just mentioned, not really stoked on him. I think he's going to be a big body, kind of another Eric Ebron, if you will, uh, which just helps bolster Andrew Luck, in my opinion. I don't think Funches is going to have a ton of standalone value without Hilton going down um, or Eric Ebron going down potentially just to fill that big body red zone role. But maybe Devin Funches had a bad rap in uh, Carolina. Again, I just mentioned how I, I don't love Cam Newton as a quarterback quarterback so maybe he held Funches back a little bit I don't think so but we'll have to see I don't see Funches getting drafted until way late and I wouldn't I'm not going to be touching him at all however if something were to happen to one of these other receivers or Eric Ebron specifically in that offense Funches could definitely um, have some upside for sure uh, again with a high-powered offense and Parrish Campbell going in the 11th round right now he's a rookie out of Ohio State Dude's a stud. I think he's going to be the number two. Uh, Funches, I think, on the depth chart right now is number two, but I think Parrish Campbell is either going to be maybe the slot guy uh, to start or the number two. If he's in the slot, I think he's going to absolutely beast out, and he'll be just fine there. So I like Parrish Campbell a lot in the late rounds as a deep dart. And if T.Y. Hilton were to go down, Parrish Campbell's a rookie, so I'm not going to say he's just going to become T.Y. Hilton, but he's going to be peppered with targets. He's a great athlete, big body. I think he'll be just fine. And then, of course, the tight ends with the Colts. Um, Eric Ebron going as the last pick in the sixth round. Jack Doyle going in the back of the 13th round. For me, it's a no-brainer. I will pick Doyle over Eric Ebron. Now, I ranked Eric Ebron higher than Jack Doyle, but I would draft Doyle over Ebron nine out of ten times, and that's basically based on value. In the 13th round, you're getting Jack Doyle, who, in my opinion, is the starting tight end. He's a better tight end. He probably won't have as many touchdowns as Eric Ebron, but he's going to have more receptions, more receiving yards, and he's going to have more opportunity on the field. When Jack Doyle and Ebron were on the field, Doyle outpaced Ebron significantly in snap share, targets, um, receptions, and yardage. So you can you can double back on my uh, on um, some previous podcasts and posts about those numbers, but. Uh, essentially, in my, in my tight end rankings episode that I did with Summy from the draft room podcast, you can listen to Summy break down Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle uh, very thoroughly. He does a great job of of letting you know exactly how they did um, with and without each other. Eric Ebron, of course, exploded last year with 13 touchdowns. Um, he was second in the league, he actually had 14 because he rushed one in too, but he was second in the league behind uh, Devontae, um, excuse me, uh, Antonio Brown and he was tied with Devontae Adams in receptions, uh, receiving touchdowns with 13. And Jack Doyle, was he was just hurt um, for about 10 games last year, and he wasn't fully healthy even when he was playing. So I like Jack Doyle coming back. Again, the touchdown upside, of course, resides with Eric Ebron. He'll get his. And at the tight end position, touchdowns mean more than anything. So if, if Eric Ebron gets 10 touchdowns again and has half of the receptions and half of the yardage that Doyle has, he might still outpace him. But I do like Doyle a lot going, you know, seven rounds later than Eric Ebron right now Um, I think that'll change once the preseason starts and we start to figure out how Doyle is actually healthy both these guys are kind of having lingering uh, injuries right now so I'm not crazy about either of them but I did want to mention don't forget about Jack Doyle he's not your typical backup tight end right now to Eric Ebron just because of Ebron's season last year let's not forget how effective Jack uh, Doyle has been the last couple years as well so love Jack Doyle I like Ebron a lot too but I would go Jack Doyle over Eric Ebron every time. Let's move on to the Houston Texans. My man, Deshaun Watson, going as the fourth quarterback, back of the fifth round. I love, love, love Deshaun Watson. I think if, if his three receivers, who I'll get to in a second, stay healthy and he stays healthy and they have somewhat of a run game, Deshaun Watson straight up could be the number one quarterback. I truly believe that. Um, he has very quietly been one of the better rushing quarterbacks in the league or maybe not quietly, but we don't talk about him so much as a running quarterback like we do Cam, uh, Russell Wilson, um, you know, uh uh Lamar Jackson, things like that. But Watson is every bit as talented as all those guys, and he will put up the numbers on the ground for sure and run them in as well. Kind of a, a Dak Prescott with better weapons, in my opinion, um, at least in the passing game. So I think uh Deshaun Watson could, could I mean, I think he'll be a, a top three, four quarterback no matter what. He could potentially be the number one if everyone stays healthy. Lamar Miller, kind of my fantasy nemesis. I spent all last season giving him shit. I'll continue to do so. I don't hate the guy. He's just not special. Um, he's going in the middle of the sixth round. I don't hate it, but if you go – I will say this. If you go R, um, zero RB, which is the the idea that you draft three to four to five – non-running backs so that could be three three uh receivers and the tight end and a quarterback or four receivers and the tight end or whatever you go crazy without running backs that's a strategy i don't think that's a good strategy this year it's a good strategy last year and the year before that but this year it's running back heavy get some of those running backs but if you happen to do that for whatever reason lamar miller is not a terrible rb2 and you don't want him as your RB1, but he's not a terrible RB2 or a flex at the running back position because, let's face it, he does have a starting position until Deontay Foreman shows that he's actually healthy. Love his talent, but I'm worried about his health. And Lamar Miller could potentially, um, you know, get his numbers. We saw last year he had a couple 90-yard runs. He had a couple 100-yard games back-to-back right after I traded him, of course. Um, but I'm not crazy about Lamar Miller. Don't like the hype. He's just a name to keep in mind if you end up going uh, zero RB. And then Deontre Foreman, again, coming off of a torn Achilles. Uh, last year he played just a little bit, um, and they faded him quite a bit. He's coming in this year, should be healthy and ready to go, but I think he'll be a little sluggish coming off, trying to get back to game speed. He tore it up at Texas. In college, so the talent is definitely there, but I'm a little bit worried about Deontay Foreman. If I were to have Lamar Miller, I'm absolutely drafting Deontay Foreman as a handcuff. Otherwise, I'm probably going to, personally, probably going to stay away from both those guys. The wide receivers, potentially the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. Um, I love the Packers guys too, uh, but New Copkins... Uh, Will Fuller and Kiki Q T, when healthy, um, could compete with anybody, of course. Uh, New Copkins, absolute beast, arguably the best receiver in the game, going as the number one receiver in most drafts right now. Uh, Sixth pick overall, can't go wrong with him. Will Fuller, it's all about staying healthy, of course. When he's on the field, Deshaun Watson is out of his fucking mind. Will Fuller is uber-efficient. We saw him, unfortunately, he caught a bomb touchdown last year and tore his ACL on the play. He was out for the season. Coming back though, we'll see. Torres ACL in week eight. That doesn't look good. Anything that happens, you know, mid season to late season and they, they're folding over the next year is not a good thing uh, for recovery. So I'm concerned about that. But keep Will Fuller in mind. And if you end up with Watson and you want one of the stack and you uh, and you don't get Hopkins early, Fuller would be great. But you know, you want to pair him up with Kiki QT. And honestly, I might just draft Kiki QT anyway in the 10th round. Uh, instead of Fuller, um, I just, uh, you know, Kiki came out very efficient last year. D- down the stretch, he actually had more targets uh, in, the, in the final few games than DeAndre Hopkins, believe it or not. Um, but Kiki actually came out and said that this year is a little bit different for him. He is not focused on training for the 40 at the draft, he's not co- uh, focused on training for the combine to get drafted. He's focused on being an NFL player now. And that's a different mentality, and I appreciated him saying that because it kind of put perspective in my mind that these guys, when they're getting ready for the NFL draft, they're getting ready for the NFL draft. Then when they get drafted, then it's go time and they can do it, but some guys are slower than others, and the situation, whatever, he's the third tier, he didn't play full-time until Fuller got hurt, You know, yada, yada. Um, Kiki was just kind of behind the eight ball last year. He proved himself last year for sure. He's still the number three, but if Fuller goes down, which he has the last couple years, Kiki immediately is at number two. And I absolutely love that. Love Kiki Q T in the 10th round. I'll probably pick him over fuller every single time. Let's move on to the Titans, Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. Um, You know, I I shed love on Mariota every, every time I can on the podcast. Unfortunately, that is quickly fading. Um, Tannehill gets brought in from Miami. He's not special. I'm not worried about that, but neither one of these quarterbacks is going to be fantasy relevant. I don't think uh, Mariota of course has the upside. Um, but unless you're in a a deep, uh, two QB league or a, or a super flex, I wouldn't be drafting Mariota. Um, and if you do, um, I would not count on him being uber efficient. So make sure you, you draft around him. Um, let's just, let's just hope that he does all right. But the new play caller in, in, um, Tennessee is the, the former tight ends coach that might be, you know, all right for Mariota, but he's got to stay healthy. Um, and he's got to get much, much more efficient. So um, not much to see at the quarterback position. At the running back position, Derrick Henry, one of the most kind of polarizing figures in fantasy football this year. Um, he's going as the 10th pick in the third round right now. I think that's overvalued personally. I know what he did down the, down the stretch in the final four games. I watched the game against Jacksonville on Thursday Night Football. I also saw the 12 games before that when he had pretty much the equal production that he had in those four games he had in the first 12. So I'm not crazy about Derrick Henry. They should use him far more and as a, as a frequent um, asset in that offense, they'd be fools not to. So that's definitely going to boost his overall numbers and his usage, which is great. But I don't think he's going to return running back three value. I just don't. Um, he's going to have huge weeks. He does have the speed and the size and the goal line ability and whatever, and that's fine. But I don't think the Titans are going to be in the red zone a ton. I don't think that they're going to have a, a plus-minus turnover ratio with Mariota that's good for the Titans. They have a great defense, which is awesome, and they're kind of on the rise, which is cool, and that's going to help the run game. But let's not forget, Deion Lewis is around still. Not amazing. Last year, I think everyone thought he would be better than he was. He's going in the 13th round. I'm not really you know drafting Deion Lewis, but he's a he's a deep dart throw, if you want, in PPR leagues. But nonetheless, Derrick Henry, I just mentioned, you know, some of these guys who don't catch the football. uh, Derrick Henry is definitely one of those guys who's not known to catch the football. Now, can he? Sure. But will he? Probably not. And Deion Lewis is that guy. So if he doesn't score on first and second down and move the chains, I just don't see it happen. And I don't see the Mariota Tannehill tandem making a lot of first downs and moving those chains consistently. So I'm definitely concerned about the overall Tennessee offense and Derrick Henry, As well. I know that pretty much in fantasy football, you're all in on Derrick Henry or you're not. And I personally am not. Corey Davis, uh, the receiver that we have been waiting to break out for the last couple of years going in the ninth round. You could do worse, maybe in the ninth round for upside, but again, just another name that like I'd rather have Kiki QT going in the tenth round over Corey Davis. I'd rather have Kiki QT as the third option in Houston over Corey Davis as the first option in Tennessee. I'm not feeling the Tennessee offense at all. AJ Brown uh, rookie coming in. He's a little bit banged up. We'll see about his health. He's got a Liz Frank fracture that he's uh, coming off of. Hopefully he can be healthy by the uh, beginning of the season. Uber talent. Um, the kid's awesome, but uh, we'll see what happens with him. Um, but right now he's a little bit banged up. And then Adam Humphreys is somebody to mention who came over from Tampa Bay, had a nice breakout season last year in the slot for the Bucks. Uh, keep an eye on him just in case. And then Delaney Walker, who broke his foot um in the opening few plays of last season missed the entire year he's going in the 12th round right year right now just like Greg Olson if you waited that long already you might as well take a stab on somebody that has the touchdown upside and I mentioned in our tight end episode that Delaney Walker over the last handful of seasons is actually the most efficient tight end in the NFL that's above Kelsey that's above Kittle Ertz uh gronk everybody else Um, over the last three seasons I think it was uh, not counting last year of course um, he's the most efficient tight end in fantasy points on a per game basis in the games he plays he's hyper targeted and hyper used and he's Marcus Mariota's favorite target and like I just mentioned the tight ends coach is now the offensive coordinator so I like that a lot for uh, Delaney Walker now he's not sexy by any means he doesn't have the huge upside he has no speed but he is going to be a possession guy he should catch eight touchdowns if he's on the field all season and for a tight end that's going to put him in the tight end one category so you could do worse way late if you wait that long for your tight end last team uh oh and a quick mention of uh smith um as well for the titans there just in case um walker goes down but John smith hasn't really done much just yet let's move on to the jacksonville jaguars the last team for the afc south Nicky Foles he goes by all sorts of names, but here on the uh, podcast, we'll refer to him as Nick Foles. He comes over from Philadelphia, of course, um, accidentally wins the Super Bowl against the Patriots a few years ago. And then um, Parkey pushes him further into the playoffs with a missed uh, field goal in Chicago last year as well. Um, Nick Foles is not terrible. I'm not hating on him. I'm not trying to really make fun of the guy. But I don't think he's that incredible. Uh, he played very well, and he got paid, and that's what you're supposed to do. Good for him. Um, but for fantasy, I'm there's no way in hell I would play Nick Foles personally if I'm not in a two B, two QB league. A lot of these quarterback discussions completely change if you're in a super flex league or a two QB league. But for this podcast, we're generally single quarterback, generally full PPR. And so that's kind of my language for the most part. If you happen to be in a two QB league and I just shit on your settings and stuff all the time, I apologize. Of course, it's not personal. If you have those questions, dynasty, rookie leagues, uh, uh, standard, half PPR, um, two QB, super flex, tight end premium, whatever your settings are, hit me up and we can talk about it. I study them all and I try to play one league at least of each different Setting Just so that I'm kind of aware of the differences in it. My personal preference is a single quarterback full PPR, but um, I'm happy to discuss whatever if, if you've got some other some other uh, preferences. But um, Nick Foles, um, I think he'll be better. Uh, they bring over Filippo who was with uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, to coach. With Nick Foles, who he did in the in the past, so that's definitely a bonus. And I think he'll be fine. He'll be a a nice, probably a QB two most weeks, and put up some bigger games potentially. But they've got four, five, six receivers like they always have in Jacksonville. None of them are amazing. The one that's supposed to be the best is Marquise Lee, coming off a career or season-ending injury. Excuse me, last year Keelan Cole broke out a bit, but not crazy. DJ Shark, rookie last year, was I but wasn't incredible last year either with Blake Bortles. I don't blame him. And then D.J. D.D. Westbrook is probably the best option overall in the slot. Uh, He's draftable option, but I'm not crazy about this offense in general, outside of Leonard Fournette. Lenny Fournette going as the third pick in the third round. He's got, of course, his injury woes. He's got, you know, super, super fragile ankles. Definitely concerned about him. I don't know that, um, I mean, I personally like Leonard Fournette a lot, and I have him higher than most people in the consensus ranking because I do take injuries into consideration, but until the season gets closer, I don't really cripple guys unless it's really bad. So far, he's healthy. So far, he looks good. He seems to be just fine, and training camps are just kicking off, so we'll see how that goes uh, going forward. I think Leonard Fournette's going to be fine, and if you play percentages, I guess you could say he's due for a fully healthy season. <laughs> and if he is, he'll be an absolute machine. He's 300 plus touches, no doubt about it. He's, they said he's going to be put more in the in the passing game, which is great. So like Leonard Fournette a lot in the third round, it, and I've been drafting him in the fourth round sometimes. So if you get him in the fourth, he's a steal and worth the risk for sure. Now, if you get Leonard Fournette, they have Alfred Blue, who came over for Houston, not worried about him. Rykel Armstead. He's the dude. He's a rookie. He's the dude you should be handcuffing for Fournette, not Alfred Blue. Rykel Armstead, I think, is the dude to handcuff for Fournette. And another deep name is Jeff Swame, former tight end of the Cowboys. He is now in Jacksonville. He's a late flyer, especially in tight end premium leagues. Um, Nick Foles loves the tight end. We saw what he was able to do with Foles. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Nick Foles was able to do with Zach Ertz in um, Philadelphia the last couple of years but, um, Jeff Swaim also did pretty well, uh, in the absence, uh, last year of, um, Jason Witten. So just a a really deep name. You're not drafting him, I'm sure, but you know, just a, a, a waiver wire, um, idea there. So that wraps up the AFC South. Now, I I broke this down, and I'm going to do this every single segment we have here. I did an all-division team for the NFC South and the AFC South, taking all the players of each position. If I were to draft just in that division, here's my ideal draft for the NFC South. At quarterback, I'm taking Matt Ryan. My running backs would be Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. My receivers would be Julio Jones and Michael Thomas. And my flex positions would be any number of um, Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, or Chris Godwin. My tight end would be O.J. Howard, and I'll go with the Saints defense. And in the AFC South, my all AFC South team, at quarterback, I would go Andrew Luck. At running backs, I would do Marlon Mack and Leonard Fournette. Receivers, I would go with Nuke Hopkins and T.Y. Hilton. At my flex positions, I'll go with Derek Henry, Jack Doyle, and Kiki Q.T. Of course, I could also go with Will Fuller but I'm a little bit worried about him on the injury front, so I decided to to go um, with Henry and Doyle instead. And my tight end would be Eric Ebron. And for the defense, I would go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That'll do it for this episode. Reminder that if you're interested in being included in our TCK Pod Listener League, be sure to email us at tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod with the hashtag TCK pod L that's T C K P O D L L. And you'll be entered in a chance to gain entry into our TCK pod listener league. It'll be a 12 team full PPR league. You can also find us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod and on Facebook at the Candlestick kids fantasy podcast. If you've gained any value from this episode at all, please leave a rate and review on the podcast and give us a like, and a follow on the social medias. It really does mean the world to me. Make the most of the rest of your day, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sky Guasco, and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. AV on YouTube.